Welcome to episode 268 of Grid Talk. Today we're here to discuss and preview the Australian Grand Prix for 2023. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have Hit the Apex is Jawad. Hello. Hello. We also have Grid Talk co-hosts Tom Downey. Hello. And Wayne Medford. Hello. Hello. But before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor for the episode, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the final four and championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE, B-L-E-A-V, all caps, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. But after that, first, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're one of the 72% of people who aren't yet subscribed to the channel, please consider helping us out with a like and a subscribe. So Formula One is returning to Australia for the second time in two years. Obviously, it was missing for quite a few beforehand. And there's been a few changes to the track and... This season around, we are currently, as far as things are being planned, having that fourth DRS zone, which we did see in pre-practice last year before they did drop it because of uh, safety reasons, I believe. Jawad, we're going to your home. Are you happy for this? (laughs) How long has it been since Formula One needed a good race in Australia? It's been a long time, really. And, you know, last year, I feel like with all the hype and excitement for F1 returning to Melbourne after obviously um, a couple of years away, it was the race that got cancelled in 2020 um, when the pandemic first kicked off. So I think, you know, just that triumphant feeling of, you know, getting the event back together, it was like the biggest crowd in the history of the event too with 420,000 people over the weekend. Um, And while the vibe and atmosphere was fantastic, the race at the end of the day was a bit of a letdown and a procession. It was a cakewalk for Charles Leclerc last year, winning by 20 seconds. Um, And we saw Max Verstappen have a um, reliability failure again. So, you know, with the addition of that fourth DRS zone, like, yeah, we had it last year during uh, free practice, but then um come friday or come saturday sorry they had removed it um i think it could make a difference this year i certainly hope so these cars can follow each other they can overtake as we've seen in other races throughout last year and um the first couple of races this year so yeah with the midfield as compact and tight as it is i expect to see some good battles on track hopefully and it'll be vindication too for all the millions of dollars that they've spent on redeveloping this track since um 2020 of course you know widening some of the corner profiles and making the lakeside section a lot faster as well where we've got that um extra drs zone in place so it would be nice to just you know drop that reputation of producing boring races, which, you know, seems to be quite uh, rife, particularly amongst um, fans globally. Yeah, there's a few people who, you know, object to waking up at 4.30, whatever it is, you know, when when you're not in Australia, um, to watch, you know, one of what fans are dubbing one of the more duller races of the season. But like you say, we want that... um, we want that excitement. We want the racing to happen. And Tom, Joe had sort of hinted at this a little bit. Last season was a bit of a cakewalk for uh, Charles Leclerc. I think by this point, everyone was writing off Red Bull in the championship race almost. Um, you know, it's Leclerc's championship to lose. Ultimately, obviously, we did see that Leclerc did lose the championship. Obviously, we're having a bit of a similar discourse this season, um, you know, with Red Bull dominating so far. Is the result of Australia critical to the championship in your eyes? Um, I, I don't know if it's critical, but it's if if Red Bull win again, um, he's certainly going to lay down quite a marker for, for the other teams to say, Look, if you want P1 in the championship, you're going to have to come and wrestle it off us. 
I mean, reliability could be an issue with them because obviously you know, we saw that issue with Max's, um, I believe, I believe it was his drive shaft or something in in the last in the last race. You know, he had the quality issue with the rest of it. Um, so you know, so we we may see something like that rear its head. The cars are generally, unless you're an Alpine, fairly or a Ferrari, fairly reliable. But that's half the grid gone then. Um, you know, so you know, but but the, the Red Bull powertrain cars, for the most part, because obviously it is all background of Honda stuff, have generally been pretty reliable. Um, as you know, so from from the constructor side, I mean, it's hard to see anybody other other than a Red Bull car taking the win, and given the form. Max is in, you would say, provided nothing choose itself, he will likely take Paul and he will likely win. Um, I mean, Perez, you know, everybody says, you know, he's a street circuit king, you know, you know, a, you know God or, or whatever. He does go well around street circuits. Melbourne is a street circuit. Maybe he'll go well this year. Who knows? He seems to be in a better sort of patch of form at the moment. And I think he's driving the best we've seen him since he's been in that Red Bull. Um, you know, he seems to have sort of settled into it. Obviously, he won uh, the, the race last week out in, out in Saudi. So is, is he going to carry that momentum? I hope so. I'd like to see him win again. And I'd like to see him sort of actually take a championship fight to Max. Um, because, you know, nobody wants to see one driver dominating it. You know, we had it with you know, Schumacher, we've had it with Hamilton, you know, we've got it with Max at the minute, we've had it with Vettel. So, you know, you, people want to see a fight and whether it's an in, in intra-team battle or whether it's two different teams. Because let's be frank, this year we're not going to get a two-team battle for first. We're going to get a two, three-team battle for second, third and fourth you know, with Aston Martin, Mercedes and Ferrari. You know, check Alpine in there if they don't blow up or, you know, and touch a car when they shouldn't, all the rest of it. Um, but uh, I, th- yeah, I, I think it is going to be Red Bulls to take. And I just, I, I struggle to see a circuit where they're not going to go quickly because they have nailed the aero regs. The power unit is, whilst, reliable, whilst reliability might be a question, performance isn't a question. And the two drivers they got, I mean, your Max, double world champion, and Perez, you know, really, really sort of coming into his own. Yeah, definitely. And Owen, I'm going to come to you for one last sort of point before we start actually looking at the teams. Um, like Tom's touched on it there, like the domination currently that we're seeing, we are obviously only two races in, but the domination that we're seeing from Red Bull, like following on from their momentum at the end of last season, like is very much, you know, being a discussion point. We've had people talking about whether the FIA should step in and, you know, nerf the Red Bull. And we have seen elements like of that, coming in beforehand in other seasons to nerf domination. But ultimately, you know, what do you think? Do you think the FIA need to get involved? Do you think, you know, the onus is on the other teams to build a better car? Do you think, you know, this is just what we're going to have for the rest of the season because, you know, Red Bull have nailed it? I mean, it's Formula One. Uh, you know, we've been well used to seeing completely dominant cars in the past from Red Bull and from other uh, constructors, you know. But, you know, and everyone... You know, everyone got up in arms about how far away the Mercedes were in 2014. Uh, uh, you know, and, and and have completely dominated the sport for the last eight years. Well, last seven years. Sorry. Um, I, 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 does the FI the FI doesn't need to do anything? Like, you know, Red Bull, Red Bull have put a really good car together, and that's kind of it. Like, you know, build a better car. We we got trust in the process of of the uh sort of weighted uh sliding scale of of aero um testing and, and development time that you get um you know it's uh it, you can't immediately go oh well someone's too far ahead let let's change everything um just because just because one team's built a rocket ship like it, they've done a damn good job and they should be celebrated for it not you know that you should aspire to be like it not just try and claw it back down to your level i get that every team is going to because why not you know you know, it's Formula One. If you can find a way to peg someone back without having to expend extra money or time yourself, or uh, then then of course you're going to do it. But I don't think it's the FIA's, you know, uh, unless anything illegal or questionable is found on the car, which as far as I can tell, it hasn't been. Um, you know, there's an amount of just, well, they, they've knocked it out of the park. Um, you know, it's, it's happened before and it will happen again. Um, you know, every time there's a big regulation change, 
one team makes steals a march on the rest of on on the rest of the field uh, a lot of the time. Um, that's just the way it is. That's you know, do <laughs> if you're not good, get get better. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Toto Wolf did obviously call F1 a meritocracy. Meritocracy. If you get to the top, you know you've put in a lot of hard work to be there, and you know you ultimately provided there is no obviously you know underhanded tactics like do deserve to be there and red bull should be applauded as you say you know for making a car this you know powerful and you know i guess we'll see when the books obviously get exposed but you know as long as they've not overspent on catering again this car you know is their challenger for 2023 and it's doing a very good job but looking at cars Jared, that are not doing a very good job so far this season mclaren obviously having a bit of a dismal 2023 so far um the rumor is they're bringing a b-spec car to baku but we are in australia um where they did go rather well last time out but obviously you know they've got different people in charge they've dropped people in this week what, do you do you see Ms. McLaren clawing their way back to the points anytime soon? And is it going to happen in Australia? Um, it's a possibility, certainly. Like last year, Australia was probably one of McLaren's better races where both drivers were in the points and um, rounded out the top six. And early on in the race, we saw them um, kind of fighting with both the Mercedes cars before they pulled away. Uh, and when you look back at the first two races this year, um, each driver has in either race has made it into Q3, but then has had problems during the race. And, you know, last time out, it was very unlucky for both to end up with front wing damage on the first lap and then ended up, um, you know, fighting amongst themselves for 15, 16, 17, which, you know, Lando Norris said doesn't really interest him. So, you know, a little bit of pride that um rookie oscar piastri was fighting for and i think for for oscar to coming to do his first home race as well he grew up what i think 15 minutes away from the track so there's going to be a lot of pressure on him and a lot of nerve as well um so you know i think the potential is there they just have to stitch together a good weekend and make sure they don't have any reliability problems and then you know what seemed like at the start of the season like in pre-season Baku being a long time away before they'd get those upgrades it's it's only now a race weekend away and mind you we've got that month between um Melbourne and, and Baku as well but you know, they just need to get their heads out of this one and get it out cleanly. And if they can score points, brilliant, because, you know, it's it's what they need. The fans will no doubt want to see a good result for Oscar and, and Lando as well. In particular, I know quite a lot of McLaren fans who live here and they'll be there to support the team. So it'll be important and yeah like you said people have been dropped as well the news coming out this week about James Key and it was very I guess inconspicuous during the preseason and the launch of the car his absence and yeah there was some quotes here and there from him but you know he wasn't very present and I think you know the the team had kind of made their decision probably that that wasn't the way to go moving forward 2025 is closer than you think now and their target of returning to the front and what we've seen in this new ground effect era is that um, they're no closer to the front of the field than they were, you know, going back to when they split from Honda and um, found their own issues when they went over to the Renault engine. Yeah, absolutely. And arguably they are at a sort of point, at least their engine will go, but, you know, they're sort of, you know, around... (laughs) They're sort of where where they were when it was the McLaren-Honda era as well, which, you know, again, is not the trajectory that McLaren obviously had their heart set on. But I don't think any team, you know, unless you're planning to get as much aero time as possible for the next season, has any intention of finishing MP10. Um, but, you know, hopefully McLaren can have a positive weekend where, you know, they are not fighting each other and are fighting, you know, four points this weekend. But like we say... That get remains to be seen. Tom Alpha Tauri currently P nine, the only other team without scoring any points so far this season. Um, you know, rookie Nick DeVries and Yuki Tsunoda. Um, how do you f- think they're going to fare this weekend? 
not great. Um, if I'm being honest, Alpha Tauri have gone from one of the plucky underdogs, sort of vis a vis Force India circa 2016, to Williams 2020. You know, the, you know, or well, maybe that's an insult to Williams, but um, they've just fallen so far back. You know, they uh, if you look at the cars they had in 2020 and 2021, you know, they've got a couple of podiums, your fourth, fifth. Obviously, you know, Gassi had to win. Um, you know, again, circumstances fell its way, blah, blah, blah. But if you look at how their cars were in that sort of era of car, you know, to the hybrid era up to 2022, they were generally pretty good. Um, and I think sometimes perhaps they made the drivers look better than they were. Um, that's not aimed at any driver in particular, by the way. I think that's just, you know, you give an all right driver good car that's fairly easy to get to grips with and on some circuits they will look like the best thing since sliced bread and I do think especially in Alphatari's case that's perhaps what they've done with Nick DeVries because I know we've only had two races and you know he's not raced in F1 setting and Alpha, the Alphatari since the reg change they've just gone downhill drastically um, and they can't get they can't get the performance out of the car um, it just it just looks slow, and it just it just doesn't have the sort of zip that it used to. Their driver lineup as well, I don't think is helping because DeVries is coming in as a rookie. He's he's I think he's same age as me. He's about twenty eight. Um, obviously F two champion, but he won it. Not taking anything away from, but he won it in a season where most of the people who were already going to win it had already won it because he won it in twenty nineteen. Um, it, was sort of, it was like it was his to lose and you know he still won it um, and then obviously his standing at Monza last year in the Williams obviously he scored a point um, you know did well but Monza is a fairly easy circuit and I said it at the time I think we should see him in Singapore before we really reserve judgement but F1 waits for no man woman or otherwise you know it doesn't wait for anybody and Neither does um, neither does Helmut Marco, because obviously he saw he saw that result. We knew Gasly was off to Alpine by that point, I believe, because um, we'd had the whole. Um, I think we'd had the whole Oscar Piastri thing by that point. I can't remember. Um, I've slept since then, so I don't really know. Um, but point point being, and I'm getting to a point. I promise um, that uh, that they saw a driver who had taken probably the worst car in the grid from last year. And dragged it to a point or two points, I think it was. So I think he got it in the points. And then Helmut Marko was like, "That is what we need, honey. You're ours." And then, and then you know they um, they 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 snatched him from Merck and then put him in the car. And then I think they perhaps had a bit of a bump back down to reality this year uh, with him. Not taking anything away from De Vries, you know, he seems seems like a he seems like a, seems like a nice enough guy. And, you know, he's won the championship in Formula E, obviously won the F2 championship. But I don't know how well they're going to go in um, in Melbourne. And looking at how well that, or how well they didn't go in Jeddah and Bahrain, which are two very different types of circuit, I'm not holding that much hope. I'm predicting a double Q1 exit. Double Q1 exit. Owen, uh, Williams obviously being the first team with any points this season. Um, I say first team with any points that we're going to discuss today. Um, Albon obviously, you know, got a point last time out in Australia because of a killer strategy of just hanging out as long as possible and then boxing right before the end. Um, Do you think that's what it's going to take this weekend for Williams to get points? Or do you think uh, Albon or Sargent could, you know, um, pull off a blinder? Um, I don't know really. I think they might be able to. I don't think they they're in need of such a uh, such a ridiculously good strategy this time. Uh, the car seems better, or at least they seem to be driving it better. Um, obviously, Sergeant and Albon both impressed on uh, in the first race at um, at Bahrain, which I think is a little bit more applicable <laughs> than than the, uh, the the than the Jeddah Street Circuit. Um, and the only reason that you know, and, and Albon obviously only retired last time because of uh, a, because of a brake issue. Hopefully, they've got on top of that. Um, Sergeant didn't do so well, I don't believe, uh, in Saudi Arabia. Um, but 
it's uh it's it, i don't know it's looking up it looks a lot more promising actually to have points this this early in the season for williams after the uh after the troubles that they've had of late as uh as tom alluded to earlier um but um i, I think i think it's possible that they could do quite well um by running a similar you know the cars aren't too different and uh and if they just run a similar sort of i uh run something similar and you you, you just never know i think um you know, maybe it's a little bit different because of where uh, Australia used to be in the in the standings. But you know, people used to sort of uh, used to have a fair few retirements. Um, I think it's, it could easily happen for them, um, and they could sort of maybe even poke up into the into the bottom of the midfield. Obviously, that and I'm aware it's race two, and and therefore the gaps aren't that big uh, on points. But you know, they 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 don't want to they don't want to start falling too far back. Otherwise, it, it you know they could very quickly have an issue if Alvatari or McLaren start to start to do uh sorry start to pick up so um i think that the opportunity is there for them i think they just need to take it i just um yeah yeah definitely like this is the time to grab those uh you know points because later in the season that's when you seem to have a bit more reliability issues almost but jared on to Haas, um the other team at one point the circuit's changed a bit since Nico Hulkenberg um, was last here, um, which we obviously touched on at the start of the show. But, you know, how do you see Haas faring this weekend? Um, Haas as well have done quite well in the past, um, but then they've also had their fair share of um, blunders as well. Quite, um, you know, you remember the pit stop issues that they had and, you know, on both cars too. I think that happened two years in a row where they had double DNFs, um, 17 and 18, thank you, uh, where that happened for them. And then last year um, with uh Kevin Magnuson, Mick Schumacher, they weren't able to get into the points, I believe, but um, they could be there. They could be there or thereabouts. Um, you know, they've got a point to their tally this season, thanks to Magnuson last time out. But I feel like it might be one of those attrition type of races, which may help, you know, the experience of the Haas drivers to keep cool heads and stay out of trouble and maybe get into the um, points like qualifying in qualifying spec, you know, they've been really good, but they've just not been able to translate it over to a race result. So, and I think that's probably also to do with the fact that they don't do well on hard tires or neither Ferrari or Haas do well on the hard tires. So yeah, I reckon they'll just have to hang in there there could be a point or two, but I don't think there's going to be much more for either of the Haas boys next weekend. Yeah, definitely. And Tom, a team that will be hoping to, you know, uh, steal a point or two or maybe even fall as they did last time around in Australia. Alfa Romeo, uh, currently P6 in the championship. Valtteri Bottas going well. Um, Guan Yuzhou, I think, just about, um, you know, continuing... A- solid-ish performance from last season um you know do you think they're going to be you know fighting for a bit more than just one point or do you think it's you know the fight for the point i hope they can at least fight for fight for more than a point but given how they started the season i really don't know to be honest um they've you know they've they've not had a good start to not not that a good start for the season in Saudi. You know Bottas was plum last, and you know they didn't have very good quality. Neither of them got into Q three. It didn't look great for them. Um, Bottas, you know he's, he's he's gone okay around here in the past. Um, I mean Joe, you know he's only had one race here. I think he finished in the points last year. I got to be honest, I can't remember uh, if someone can correct me. Um, I'm getting a lot of head nods or wags. Um, if if no, he, he didn't finish the points. Thank you. Sorry, I, I don't have it up in front of me, as you can tell. Um, but um, yeah, so it, it's it's alpha. You know, it's just like you know, I I want to see them do well because I do like them. You know, you know, Bottas is um, Bottas has sort of like become the the new Kimmy of the grid. You know, with his Muller and his sort of like you know his is zero anything given attitudes. Um, and he just looks a bit more relaxed and, you know, they, they you know, the, the, the team seems more sort of happy and more like you know, 
kind of like, you know, they just seem like everybody's getting on and, you know, enjoying themselves. And there was quite a funny thing with the, the social media person from Alfa Romeo trying to film Bottas walking to the paddock, I think in Jeddah and falling over when they're trying to film something for one of their like reels or stories or something. That was quite funny, actually. Um, you know, they're, uh, <clears throat> they've sort of just been there and they're sort of like in this weird like limbo phase because, you know, Alfa Romeo are slowly backing out um, and they're getting ready for Audi to come in. So it's like, you know, are they going to hang on to Joe after 2026? You know, are they can hang on to Bottas because you know, he, he's... You figure how sort of say how old this is his 10th year in F1 because he joined in 2013. Um, I think possibly even did some races in 2012, I can't remember. Um, or I think 2012 was when he won the GP3 championship. Um, point is, he's been in F1 a long time because he, he joined Williams when they were in their V8 era. Um, and then obviously, you know, you know, had his long stint at Mercedes as, as, as the rear gunner for Hamilton. So, so you know, so he's, he's been here and done it quite a lot. and you know, you wonder, you know, if if Alpha Alpha McSauber Audi, um, you know, GmbH or whatever they're called these days, um, if they're sort of just like getting ready to move from Alpha Romeo to Audi, it's like I wonder if they've started, you know, painting different color schemes on the, uh, you know, you know, in the factory and, and stuff, you know, in in Switzerland. I mean the. The colour scheme slowly go more Audi motorsport anyway. You know, next year's car is going to probably be called the the RS twenty four or something. So you know, so they're in this sort of like weird limbo phase, and they're sort of just like they're sort of just like I don't even know how to describe it, but they're just like existing and just doing their bits. But it's like they're the team where. You don't look at you. you, you nobody really sort of looks at where they finish. You know, no, nobody goes, "Oh, did you see? You know, uh, where the Alfa Romeo was moved, or you, or you know, or where they finished, or you know, overtakes they did, or all the rest of it." They're sort of just there. Um, there's a lot of sort of like obviously there's a lot of noise around them, but you know, in other teams around them, you know, McLaren being woeful and you know, Red Bull running off and, and you know, Aston Martin and the rest of it. So the focus has come off them. Um, so they're sort of just like flying under the radar and I hope they can use that in a good way so they can get some points you know I'd, I'd like to see both of them in the points um, I, I do quite like Bottas anyway you know I always liked him um, especially when he joined Mercedes so I'd like to see him get points whether they will I don't know yeah who knows um, you'd have to ask their you know title sponsor Stake um, as to what their odds are, I think, at the end of the day, if they're actually allowed to have their title sponsor on the car this weekend. Who knows? It's a lottery, as is stake. Um, Owain, uh, Alpine last season um, were very quick, you know, and um, obviously they had Fernando Alonso and Alpine were, you know, what was probably like the fourth best team um, and could have probably challenged for pole. Um, Pierre Gasly's put in some good performances this season so far. Um I don't really know how Ocon's been doing, to be honest, because obviously I haven't really looked at the results from last weekend. Um, but, you know, how do you foresee Alpine in their actual livery this time around performing in Australia? Um, well, I mean, Ocon, uh, yeah, Ocon got, uh, was in eighth place, uh, which netted him four points, uh, which obviously, which then totaled, uh, which then totaled the two ninth places that Gasly had got. Um, prior to that, uh, obviously had a DNF in the um, uh, in the opening round of the season. Um, so it's a, it, I don't know. Right now, Alpine are the most average. Uh, they are fifth. <laughs> they they are fifth in the constructors with their two drivers tenth and eleventh uh, in the in the constructors. So they are right. They are mid table. Um, so it's uh, it's hard for me to say. Really, um, I'm trying to sort of work out between the two. Um, between the two races they've done so far, whether it's the characteristics of uh, of, of of Jeddah or uh, of of uh, Bahrain, which which is more sort of like them, which were more likely to suit. Um, but I think I, wouldn't, I think they've got a weaker lineup than last year, um, and, I, and I don't think the car is. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I think the car might be better in relation to everyone else. Um, they seem to be working fairly well as a team, though. Um, 
I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't be surprised if we just saw them at the bottom of the points. Uh, that, that, that seems to be the, the, the way that they've been going thus far. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll find out whether they're in blue or pink. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I guess I guess it just decided, depends on uh, on which they decide to go with it. Be it'd be odd if they changed it, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I think they've been going to be decent enough, but I, I don't think they're going to um, challenge any higher up. But I also don't think they're going to fa- fall any further down. They they seem to have sort of uh, settled into their own rhythm quite quickly. Yeah, apparently, you know, we don't know if they're going to be pink or blue, um, but um, Jawad has said that reportedly it's going to be pink. Um, I just wish we knew what was going on with multiple liveries for a team this season. You know, generally you get your one special livery for like a race and that's about it. Whereas, you know, this season and obviously the previous season, Alpine decided to, hey, let's honour our title sponsors with a car that looks completely different slightly you know um at certain races but jawad on to ferrari um first of all this time last season ferrari like i said at the start of the show were you know tunneling ahead everything was like all the eyes were on ferrari this time this year they've had one driver with a grid penalty already for a change of component and you know at the same time they got overtaken significantly a lot last time out what's going on at ferrari and can they solve it in Australia this weekend? <laughs> um, you'd hope that they can. And Australia's been a bit of a happy hunting ground for Ferrari over the years. And last year was obviously a, a great race for <clears throat> Leclerc with pole position. And the win, it wasn't so for Carlos Sainz being spun off quite early in the race. I think a mistake of his own. But um Frederick Vasseur as well, just reading some quotes from him, the team principal, saying that we kind of just have to look at ourselves and, you know, try and maximise the package that we've got at the moment before we think about upgrades and so on. So I think that's quite important that, you know, they feel that they haven't quite got the maximum out of the the launch spec car that they um, currently have. And obviously we've detailed um, problems that Leclerc has had with his power unit, um, and then as well, just not having any sort of pace on the hard compound tyre, which was a problem for them last year too, and it doesn't seem to have been resolved this year. So it's a weird one because at the same time, like Australia, it's a great place for Ferrari. They always seem to pull a result out of the bag, but they seem to be in a weird spot at the moment where, you know, what, what they got last time out, sixth and seventh for for both the cars. I feel like that could be normal for now until they figure themselves out and really start to get more out of it because, you know, coming into the season, it was like, oh, you know, they should have the fastest car on on, on a single lap or they should be matching Red Bull for, for that um, fastest, you know, pace in qualifying and everything. But... We haven't seen that. They've been pretty far off when it comes to quali. Um, mind you, Leclerc did have the grid penalty in the in Saudi last time, so he wasn't able to start on the front row with with Perez. So we'll just have to see if they can have a clean weekend, not have any penalties, not have any reliability issues, and see where they come out. I feel like there could be a podium on, um, and that would be a brilliant way to kind of kickstart their campaign because. Two races in, they've not had a podium yet so far. They've just had the best finish of fourth, which came in Bahrain. But, um, you know, there's there's going to be the blood uh, being, you know, called for by the local Tifosi here because they, they are quite passionate. And outside of Monza, you, you get a lot of support for uh, Ferrari here and they'd not be very happy if um, they didn't have a good result. Yeah, absolutely. Like Ferrari need to start their season, you know, two races in um, and well, three, it'll be three races in this weekend if they don't perform, but you know, they've just, they've got to do it because they're currently fourth in the championship, 12 points off Mercedes, Tom, um, who, you know, did think they might've got a podium last time out and then didn't have a podium. And then, you know, there was questions, but in any event, um, Mercedes, there's talk of them, you know, at some point this season, bringing, side pods uh to their car um 
How much do Mercedes need a change of um, concept? And do you think um, Australia is where we're going to see a um, an actual good result from Mercedes? Uh, it's not going to be Australia, is it? Um, you know, it's, uh, <coughs> they might get a good result when they stick side pods on their car, despite what Hamilton says. Um, you know, because you know they've they looked at the no uh, they looked at the no pod. I was going to say no podcast. That's definitely not right. Um, although you know, a bit of grateful Brandon wouldn't go and mess with it. Like, comment, subscribe. Um, but um, you know, the the no side pods design. Um, you know, even though George Russell the inducted five went, oh, FNL that looks fast. It's like. You sure about that? Um, although you did get a race win, so but it's um after they put side pods on. So it's it's obviously not working for them. You know, they've tried to go for it again this season. And I get, you know, obviously, you know, they spend a lot of time researching and developing, you have to get additional wind tunnel time and you know the rest of it because they finished um third in the constructors. So um, you know, so they've they've got more resources to throw at that in that respect. Obviously, they are limited, plus I heard their occasions rubbish compared to Red Bull. Um you know, so you know, so maybe that's why they got no side pods, you know, because they're eating, um, you know, uh, Tesco Valley meal deals for lunch instead of waitros, um, like they do at Red Bull and Milton Keynes. I don't know, I'm speculating. Um, they, uh, I mean, you know, they were they were sort of like on par with, with Ferrari last week, I said last weekend, two weeks ago, no, last weekend, um, out, out in Saudi, but it's uh. That was more a case that Red, uh, Red Bull didn't connect. That was more a case that Ferrari were not as quick as they should have been given the relative pace and performance that they've had. So I think the best Mercedes can hope for is a sort of third best finish. Now whether now whether the, whether they sneak perhaps a podium through, um, say some first lap incidents or. You know, if you know, if um, if someone breaks down or something, which you know, we've seen, we've seen a bit of sort of unreliability and stuff already. You know, you know, so you know, Leclerc getting already getting an engine penalty as as has been mentioned several times, and I mentioned earlier about the Red Bull powertrain cars. You know, you know, if Max has an issue or Perez has an issue or something, they might sort of get a podium that way. But I think if you put everybody there and took the reliability factor out of it. I don't think they would get a podium on pure speed. Uh, you know, there um, there is a fundamental problem with their design on the W14. And like I said, I get that they wanted to stick by it. They wanted to try it again because they've obviously put an awful lot of time and effort and money, you know, personnel, everything into into researching this. And they've obviously looked at it and done all, done all their sort of development stuff and gone, yeah, you know, there are no side pods. It should be, you know, lightning quick. And then it's like they put it on track, and it's like play. So uh, you know, there's that. There's the expert analysis from me. It was play. You know, that's uh, that's going to be clipped. I can already see it. Um, but it's uh, you know they they do need to make a fundamental change. And as as I've said before, I've, I've probably said it on the pod, and I know I've said it when we've been, you know, when loads of us been chatting on Discord and stuff, when we've been playing games, and you know, when we've been you know slacking all the rest of it. Um, when you're at the top, especially in F1, there's obviously only one way you can go, and that is down. And I think I said this to yesterday, Ruby, when we were playing F1. Um, they've fallen off their top perch and landed with a bit of a thump, you know, sort of firmly down in upper midfield territory. And it's going to hurt for them because they spent so long at the top of the field, even before the turbo hybrids kicked kicked in in 2014 so the late 2012 2013 they were really starting to show signs of you know really getting there and it's like that's why red bull developed their car all the way at the end of the 20, uh, 2013 season and vettel won like nine races on the bounce um because mercedes were catching and th- you know they've worked the way up they spent a long time at the top of the sport and now they're falling they've fallen off they're not used to being in this position that they are used to being the leader of the field and they're used to being these things that they used to be in the first pit box or the last pit box, the garage, depending on, you know, how the teams are laid out. They're not used to being somewhere in the middle. 
and they're going through an adjustment phase. It's a shock for the team. It's a shock for the, you know, the drivers, the staff, the fans, everybody. And they're readjusting. And I have no doubt they'll come back super strong because they've got some fantastic people there. You know, Toto, you know, as much as I don't like him, he's a fantastic leader of the team. And, you know, they've obviously, you know, they've got fantastic drivers and strategists and everything. So they will come back. I have no doubt, but it's not going to be yet. And I don't even know if it'll be this season. Yeah, certainly not. Um, Owain, uh, tied on points with uh, Mercedes, Aston Martin, um, but ahead on the constructors because they've got obviously those two uh, podiums for Fernando Alonso. Um, did you think that this is kind of where Aston Martin would be, you know, two and about to be three races in? And can you see Fernando Alonso delivering on the pace that he did show last season in Australia, but ultimately did nothing with? I mean, the short answer uh, to your first question is no. I didn't see Aston Martin being uh, uh, this fast at all. Uh, they are a customer team. They should be worse. That's how things usually play out. Um, but now the, the question being, you know, can Fernando Alonso uh, get on the podium again? Um, you know, to quote Christian Horner from... God, ten over ten years ago now, where uh, when they were fighting fighting for the world championship with Fernando in a in a in a worse Ferrari, um, you know, because Fernando because he's Fernando is always on the podium. It was probably going to always be on the podium. So you know, once he's you know once he's uh, on a roll, um, I don't think you know. I, I think everyone knows once he's on a roll, Fernando Alonso is nigh unbeatable on his day and once he's on a roll he gets uh, he gets to have his day uh, more often than not um i think that you know it's sort of a false uh look at things bearing in mind that um stroll uh retired because of some kind of reliability issue i don't know quite which um so i think had he you know continued then mercedes would have slightly fewer points and uh and stroll would have more uh sorry and, uh, stroll and aston martin therefore would have more so uh, i think you know Mercedes have lucked out a bit there um, by other people's uh, unreliability. Um, and obviously, uh, Aston Martin have, 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 uh, have been slightly set back by it. Um, I, I, I can imagine that um, Stroll and uh, Stroll obviously getting stronger from his injury and Alonso being Alonso. Um, you know, we could well see them fighting for a second place of uh, getting on the podium and uh, and, and really gapping um Mercedes a little bit more. I don't think they're going to... There's no way that they uh, approach Red Bull, I don't think. I think Red Bull are obviously too far ahead, as we've discussed um, at length. But uh, yeah, I think Aston Martin are... You know, it's 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 their second place to lose right now um, rather than Mercedes to to overcome and get and win. Yeah, definitely. Joe, the last team to obviously discuss, Red Bull. Um, we know that if nothing happens to their cars... It's going to be P1 or P2. The real question is, are they going to let them race? Because there is only one point between their two drivers. But, you know, racing can cause you to lose more points than you gain. Well, it's apt that we're um, raising this question, given that it's, I think the other day was the 10th anniversary of Multi-21. So it's fascinating that we're um, in this sort of situation again with the two Red Bull drivers. And look, Checo, unfortunately, he's in the lion's den. Um, and as much as, you know, as Tom said earlier, it would be nice to see him do what Nico Rosberg did back in 2016. I just think that the Red Bull team dynamic is far different from how Mercedes were in allowing their drivers to race. And you can tell how Mercedes had to change their philosophy after 2016 when Rosberg moved on um, so that they wouldn't have a repeat of the, the psychological and mental scars that came from having their two drivers fight with each other. So, you know, Red Bull in the past have not allowed that. I don't think they're going to allow it either. Um, you know, Max could probably be a bit more gracious or the Verstappen clan in general can be a bit more gracious um, with the second places when they do happen but over over the course of a season Checo cannot um Checo cannot match him that's that's it. it something has to go wrong for Max for for him to be able to win and yeah you know it's hard to go past um them 
finishing one and two again, barring any kind of reliability problems. Although, although Red Bull have not won in Melbourne since 2011. So, you know, all the races that we've had in the time, it's either been Ferrari or Mercedes or the one when that Lotus picked up with Kimi back in 2013. So I wonder, I mean, Christian Horner mentioned it after the last race that, oh yeah, moving on to Melbourne, we haven't won there for, you know, more than a decade. So is that going to play on their minds? Will there be a bit of hoodoo around? Will Mark Webber probably, you know, sprinkle some um, dust or something like that to, to make them come a cropper? Who knows? So it would be really fascinating. I feel like it will build to some kind of crescendo in the next couple of races. I think it's what everyone wants to see because we don't have a title fight from another team like externally out of Red Bull. None of the other teams look like they're going to um, battle with them this year. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some kind of drama between them two this weekend or next weekend. Sorry. It would certainly be nice to see, you know, an on-track fight for P1 and P2. You know, when you have such a gap to the rest of the field, let them race, you know. Like, Mercedes tripped up over each other every other race in 2014 and still won the Constructors' Championship by a significant amount. Let them do it in Red Bull, you know. And who knows, we might see some sparks, and not just from the titanium skid blocks. But on that point, we've obviously gone through the grid. It's time to make some predictions for this race weekend. So, Tom, please, what is your P1, P2, and P3 for uh, this weekend? All right, so P3. Um, I am gonna, I'm going to hold out hope. I'm not going to say faith, I'm going to say hope that Leclerc will finish on the podium that his, his car doesn't chew itself and he doesn't take a billion penalties before the race weekend even starts. Um, so naturally, then, it's Leclerc, Perez, and Verstappen. <laughs> uh, no. I'm going to say Alonso, P2, and then Verstappen, P1. Um, you know, because uh, I, I just think Max is in such a such a rich vein of form at the minute. And I think, you know, I think if Perez has, has enough drivers around him who have sort of qualified by that he might just lose out. Fair enough. Owain, your uh, prediction for who's going to be on P3 and then obviously, you know, we... Well, I, I assumed that we'd all be establishing that it would be Verstappen Perez, but, you know, Tom's already proved me wrong. So what's your podium, please? Uh, I'm going to assume that uh, Perez's gearbox is going to lunch itself. Um, you know, sometimes they're, they're obviously batch built like one after the other. So we've, we've seen that happen in the in the past where one engine blows or uh, and then the other engine blows on the other side of the garage. So I'm thinking that it's actually going to be uh, Verstappen and then Alonso and then Stroll. Verstappen, Alonso, Stroll. That might be the new hamver. But, Jared, your podium prediction, please. Uh, yeah, we're not doing bold predictions, are we, for this one? Okay. We are, but afterwards. Afterwards. Okay, cool. So um, it, it kind of leads into a bold prediction, but... I've got, let's say, Russell P3, uh, Leclerc P2, and I'm going all in and say Fernando Alonso wins this one. So you're hoping that the stats continue then? Well, I say continue, hoping, predicting that the stats are going to continue and we're not going to have a Red Bull victory in Melbourne. Um, no. I mean, that I see why it's tying into your bold prediction, but uh, to re-establish the rules, bold predictions can like go against what you've actually made as a prediction. Um, so, Tom, your bold prediction, please. Uh, I'm going to go with what I said earlier. I don't even know if it's a bold prediction by this point, but both Alpha Tyrese out in Q1. Oh, Wayne, your bold prediction, please. I'm going to go for... Um... God, I'm going to go for the, a McLaren to get points. I think that is bold at this point. But, Jared, your bold prediction, please. Double DNF for Red Bull. They will probably make contact at some point during the race. Who knows? It might happen if they let them race. Um, yeah, and one last one. Like, you're kind of already tying into this anyway, Jared. But one word answer for the rest of the season. Is Aston Martin going to win, Tom? Yes. Owen? Easily. Jared? 
Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. So that's a yes and, a, and an easily. Um, so, yeah, there we go. Um, all right, cool. So, uh, obviously, you know, we all come from a different uh, bunch of shows, um, although the majority of us here are obviously regulars on Grid Talk and, you know, um, Grid Talk host and Jared, you know, we always love having you on. But um, you are obviously from Hit the Apex. Give us a little pitch. Yeah, so that's my own little show that I've been running for quite some time. Just talk uh, F1 posts, do like uh, race reviews and talk about Supercars Championship here in Australia as well. You can find it on all the good podcast platforms. I think it's on Amazon now as well. Um, and there is a Twitter account at Hit the Apex Media. There's a link tree as well that will lead you to the raw.com, which is a website that I write for as well and live blog all the races for. So I'll be representing him next weekend at the Australian Grand Prix. Um, and then you can also follow me on Instagram if you want to keep up with all the pictures and, and stories that I'm sure I'll be doing next week as well from up in the media centre. Fantastic. And Tom, if people want to hear more from you, not necessarily Grid Talk, but other um, F1 Chronicle stuff as well. Yes, so uh, regular viewers and listeners will know that recently uh, one of our partners, Sophia, uh, she and I have started a junior come support series called Formula Talk, which you can find alongside F1 Chronicle on all your favourite podcasting platforms. So that we look at F2, F3, we're going to be looking at the F1 Academy and now that we are finding a really nice groove with it and Sophia's actually smashing the hosting at the park, we are going to start looking at some IndyCar as well, potentially. Um, obviously, we can't do everything because if we if we did a podcast for every single um, motor, motoring series that exists, I would probably never sleep. Um, but but we are focusing mainly on the on the sort of feeder series into F1 and then and then also, you know, IndyCar, which is IndyCar's class. Yeah, and that's everything Formula Talk that you're currently getting. Um, but, Wayne, where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Um, I don't know. I guess I tweet sometimes at my Twitter account, which is at Owen Medford. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, you might shoot me in the back of the head on Warzone. That's it. That's pretty much the only place, the only place, other other place you'll find me. Uh, I, I don't venture into F one twenty two online, but if you do find me online, it will be on video games. <laughs> Fair enough. And if you want to hear more from me, I am available on the socials at Rubes R U U B E Z. Um, but on that note, Grid Talk is available on YouTube, where most episodes are recorded live, as well as Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Casts. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Please consider supporting the channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. And also make sure you subscribe to the first know when each new episode is released. We'll be back soon with plenty more F1 content. Thank you very much for listening to the Grid Talk podcast presented by Bet Online. And goodbye.